0: Uh, go ahead and have a seat. Good morning and welcome to, uh, to Christ Community. My name is uh, Tim and I serve as one of the pastors here. Really glad to have you with us, especially um, if this is your first time with us. We know coming into a new church can always be hard and we'd love to give you a gift. We've got a table uh, you can grab on your way out. Um, um, and uh, uh, yeah, we're glad to have you with us. Um, if you're sitting at the end of the aisle, there are clipboards there if you could grab. Uh, the clipboard, begin filling that out and passing that down. And in those clipboards are prayer cards. Uh, if there's a way we can pray for you, um, the, uh, this week at the church, we'd love to do that. Uh, fill out the card. You can give it to me, uh, Andrew Naya. You can give it to us during communion. We'll have some prayer time available. Um, then, Or you can drop it in the gifts and offerings box um, as well. And that's uh, speaking of gifts and offerings. It's one of the ways we worship God is through uh, returning our generosity to him. So if you can prepare to worship in that way, uh, you can do that. Uh, by dropping your gift in the offering box, or uh, through giving online through uh, PayPal, uh, or through your mobile device, um, through us as well. And with that, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump in John one, uh, our text for this morning. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, Psalm 33 says that it was by the word of the Lord the heavens were made. So God, your your word spoke into existence the skies, the clouds, uh, the sun, and So now we pause to to receive your revealed word. And we pray that your word would speak in power to us, that would create in us new hearts, new minds, new life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Thanksgiving week is is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Um, I call it the pastor's holiday because it's sort of the one holiday of the year. There's not any services to plan. Uh, None of y'all want to talk to me. You don't want anything to do with me during that week. No, I certainly don't want anything to do with you during that week. And so it's, it's just a great week. That's, that's sarcasm, to be clear. But uh, if you need me, call me. I right, let's probably should have said that. But anyway, we, uh, <laughs> it's just a week I take off. Spend a lot of time with my family, uh, my kids, uh, my wife. Um, you know, uh, just spending really kind of talking, watching movies. And above all, kind of testing the limits of how late to a day adults can wear sweatpants. Sort of my goal for Thanksgiving week. It's beautiful. Um, I also I read a lot. And this week I finally got to a book. That has been recommended to me a number of different times uh, by a number of different people I respect. Um, the book is called Silence by Shusaku, uh, Shusaku Indo. someday I'm going to learn how to speak a Japanese name, uh, but, uh, but it's, a, it's amazing. It's an amazing book. It's a powerful book. It's also one of the saddest, uh, the saddest stories I've ever read. So it went really well with my sweatpants that week. Um, but it was just, it was a powerful book. And the book was about it's about one question, which is when you look at the universe around us, is is there a God, or is there is there silence? Is God speaking, or is the universe silent? And the story is centered on two Jesuit priests who have heard that their, their mentor, a father, a priest, had renounced his faith under persecution in Japan, and they want to find out what's happened. So they, they go um, into Japan to try to become missionaries, as well as to see what what happened to their mentor, and so they get to Japan, and they're forced to sort of hide in, on a hillside um, by, by cover of darkness, and, and over time, they're discovered by, by Christians in nearby villages who, who notice there are these uh, Portuguese priests living in the hillsides, and so they go, and, and um, the story begins with these two priests really being uh, being priests by cover of nights in these two villages secretly full of Japanese Christians. But over time, the Japanese authorities find this out. They bear down these uh, villages. They find out there are Christians there. And, and the story begins really with, with two Christian leaders who had befriended these priests and cared for these priests um, being tied to posts and left to die in the ocean. They died, uh, murdered for their faith. And so the two priests actually, because they're on the hillside hiding, they actually see these men die. And as they're watching them die, one of the priests says this in reflection. What do I want to say? I myself do not quite understand. Only that for today, when for the glory of God, Mokichi and Chiso moaned, suffered, and died, I cannot bear the monotonous sound of the dark sea gnawing the shore. Behind the depressing silence of this sea, the sea, silence of God. The feeling that while men raise their voices in anguish, God remains with folded arms. Silence. So my thanksgiving is a little dark. Obviously, And yet alongside, alongside the story, I was meditating on 1. In the beginning was the Word. So when John sits down to write his gospel, he starts with God is speaking. In the beginning was the Word. So John, this author, he is most likely writing this gospel at the very end of his life. He spent three years of his life with Jesus, and he sits down at the end of his life to, re- to, re- to reflect on and to write about who Jesus is and what he means, and what he's all about. And John starts by saying, uh, Jesus is the Word. God, God is not silent, John says. He is so I want to push into John 1, these five verses Jody read for us with just three basic questions. Okay, if God is speaking, what is he saying? Why is he saying it, and how can we hear? It. How can we hear it. So first, what, what is God saying? John, as I said, John starts his, his gospel by saying, "In the beginning is the Word." So John starts his reflection on the life of Jesus before any other gospel writer starts the reflection on the life of Jesus. Then some, guy, some, or one gospel starts kind of in the manger, right? Jesus, Jesus, there in the manger, and others go back to like genealogies and where Jesus came from, his descendants. Um, Others start uh, even back before that, Hebrew uh, uh, prophecies about Jesus coming. But John goes even further than that. He goes back pre-Hebrew Bible all the way to Genesis 1. In fact, this this gospel, John starts his gospel intentionally by referring back to Genesis 1, one, which starts in the beginning. John goes back before creation, before the world even existed, to in the beginning was the word." And the Greek word here for word is the word logos, and, and John probably chose that word very intentionally. But he picks a very well-known word here, and no matter what your background was or where you're coming from, you would have instantly had an opinion about what logos means. You would have you'd have had some frame of reference for it, that it. This might be a little bit of a stretch, but it's sort of like if you were to do a Facebook post about Donald Trump. Like... Everyone knows what you're talking about and has a very strong opinion, no matter what you say. And that, That's sort of what this word logos had, you know, slightly um, um, similarity. Like, everyone had an opinion. Everyone had an idea of what they, what logos meant, what it, what it meant. So if you were not a Jewish person, um, you, you sort of believe that, that the universe was, was run by a, a logical order, a rational order, and they called that rational logical order logos. So the reason we get our word logic is from this word. Logos. And so they believe that the way it's happened in the meaning of the universe was to understand the order of things, the rationality of things, the logic of things. The world has a logos to it, a logic to it. And so when John says in the beginning was the logos, all the non-Jewish readers would said, yes, that's right, amen. And for Jewish readers, the idea of word was very important uh, as well. That, that I, I prayed a, a, a psalm over us before we started the sermon. Psalm 33 says, the, by the word of the Lord the heavens were made. The, the, the Hebrews have always had a very different idea of creation. That the, in creation, the Hebrew people didn't, didn't think of creation as like a giant uh, dough or a bit of play doh that like, God sort of molded together and made it into what he wanted. But instead, in Genesis 1, you have God speaking and things starting to exist because God spoke. Right, so Genesis 1.3 says, and God said, let there be lights.' God said, let there be light. And there was light. And when it gets down to creating human beings, um, it says that God said, let us make human beings in our image. God said, let us make human beings in our image. And there are human beings. God speaks, and, and things exist. And so the Hebrew account of creation is, is intimate and personal. It's a conversation. Right? It's God, God speaks, and things come into me. It's a personal word of God. That's why we exist. And one of my favorite authors, Andy Wilson, he reflects on this, and he says this about... The notion of our creation in the Bible. Understand this we are both tiny and massive. We are nothing more than molded clay given breath, but we are nothing less than divine self portraits, puffing and puffing along mountain ranges of epic narrative arcs prepared for us by the infinite word itself. Swell with pride and gratitude, for you are tiny and give much. You are as spoken by God as the star. That's what Genesis 1 says. You are as spoken by God as the reason you breathe and it. It's is because God speaks. And that's why when John says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, every Jewish reader would have said, yes, that's right. And yet John keeps going. And in the ways in which he keeps going, everyone's going to start to scream. And when you get the heaps going, the next thing he says after the beginning was the Word, he says, the word was with God. And most non-Jewish readers would have a problem with this, because this word idea that the word was with God is a relational word. So the word, it's not a rational order. It's not a set of, like, laws the world is governed by. It's a person. The word was with God. And then he says, the word was God. This, this logos is this divine itself. And every Jewish reader would have said, no, like, there's one God. The word isn't God. The word is spoken by God. And so John starts with complete agreement. By the time he gets to the second half of verse 1, everyone's off. And, and almost as if John knows this, in verse 2 he repeats himself. He says, yes, I know what I'm saying. He was with, the Word was with God in the beginning. The Word is, is distinct, and yet personal, divine itself, and existed before creation. So that's what John is saying about Jesus. And to make clear, or uh, to make clear in verse 14, he says, this is Jesus. The, the Word became flesh and dwelt So Jesus, according to John, is the pre-existent word of God. He existed before creation, existed, and all of creation exists because Jesus wants creation to exist. That's what John starts with about Jesus. So God is speaking, and the most important thing God is saying is is Jesus. If you want to know God, according to John, you have to know Jesus. So a question I just want to spend some time reflecting on. It. Well, are you listening to that, that, that revelation? Are you listening to that word? Are you letting God speak to you through, through Jesus? Well, let's think about that in a couple ways. That if you're here to listen, if you're really here, someone, something, there's a couple of elements to listening. One is that listening is always personal, and so the, that's a part of what John is changing here. So. Uh, there's a, a philosopher. He's an atheist named uh, Luke Three. Uh, he's French, and he, he basically says John One literally changed the the, hist- the, the history of the way the world thought. John does something completely new here that changed uh, history for a couple thousands a couple thousand years. Because when John wrote, most people thought that salvation or like the meaning of the universe came through the Logos, which was a rational order, a principle. It was you discovered it through philosophy, through intelligence, through reasoning. But what John says is that. The meaning of the universe comes through a person, not not a principle. Not you don't take a class on the meaning of the universe. It comes through a person. And Luke Ferry says that that literally changed the world. Like people just completely started changing the way they thought about God, rationality, the universe because of John One. because now the Word of God. The Word like the universe. It's not a it's not a set of principles. It's a person. You know, who came to know you. And that's how all listening thing works. Listening is always personal. It's relational. And in Jesus, God, God has addressed you personally. God didn't throw a set of textbooks at you for things that you have to believe in order to know you. He seen you in person. Speaking, teaching, living. Saying revealing. If you want to hear God, that's how you have, to, you have to come in personally. This isn't a set of principles. This isn't an abstract conversation. This person the word. So listening is personal love. But listening, the implication of that that is that listening means you have to receive someone as they are. So John says, "Yes, the word is Jesus personally, uh, relationally revealing God to us." But Jesus is also the all-powerful Creator of the universe, which means you and I can't listen to Jesus, or Jesus doesn't come and offer Himself as like a personal assistance, right? He is he. You know, he, he He's not a teacher that we can sift and decide what ideas we like and what ideas we don't. Just, we kind of navigate the world through our own opinions. And Jesus kind of, we throw him in when we like him. We throw him out when we don't
1: like him. He's not a bigger and better
0: Oprah who has better life advice to you and more free stuff to hand out. Like this, that's not who Jesus is. He's the creator God of the universe. Right? He's not just a baby in a manger. He's the creator God of the universe as a baby in a manger. And that means you can't take only parts of it. And everyone, like, listen, everyone does this, whether Christian or not. Like, we love, Jesus loves people. When he starts talking about hell, we're like, wait a minute. And yet, if, he, if he's the Word, if he's the creator of God, the creator of the universe, with God, like, you have to think of all of them. So, are you listening? Are you letting God speak, reveal himself to you through Jesus? And I understand saying all that, like, times, the universe does feel silent. That's why uh, Indo, uh, Indos book is so, is, is so powerful. That question is, is there a God or is there also just silence? It's a powerful question. And Christians, we answer that question by going straight to Jesus, the word of God. And so what, listen, whatever your questions are this morning, if you struggle to believe, if you believe in something you're not sure about, our, our advice to you as Christians would be, like, listen, you have to go to Jesus. You have to go to the Middle East 2,000 years ago. Because in, in that moment, a word was spoken, a life was lived that literally changed history. I mean, Luke Ferry says that's true, and, like, just the, the patterns of the way we think. But more than that, I mean, think about how strange it is that, like, we're 6,000 years, you know, several thousand miles from where uh, Jesus lived, or 2,000 years from when Jesus lived. And yet there's a number of people here who say, like, Jesus, is the center of my life He's God. I worship him. How did that, what happened in two thousand and fifteen? What John said happened is that God spoke a unique and final and ultimate word about himself, and it's changed the world. And for those of us who are Christians, who, like, who say we believe, as we enter into this Advent season, where what we want to do is we think through this series, is, you know, we don't want to just think of Jesus like, cute baby Jesus who we can snuggle and cuddle and we're just so glad he came here to us, but like, this is the creator God of the universe. We have to Christmas pulls us back to the broader world, into this cosmic notion of, of, of Christmas. And, and what we what that means for us is that our ideas, our opinions, our most deeply held beliefs have to be shaped primarily by the word, by Christ. And too often, the way I hear Christians think, speak, navigate the world sounds sounds very little like Jesus. Jesus is not informed the way we operate so often, not listen. You can't read John one and matter your life. But Jesus is not. He does not have good advice. You. He is a Creator. You, he spoke and you exist, right? Like this isn't. This isn't advice. This, isn't, this is. the Creator God of the universe. He's speaking. The primary thing he speaks to us is Jesus, the Word. But why? Why does? Why does God speak to us? And one word, John gives it in verse, verse four. In Him and the Word was life. And the life was the light. The Jesus is life, John says. In him was life.
1: And this is a prominent
0: theme throughout all of the Gospel of John. If you read through the Gospel of John and just underline the word life, you'll underline about 40 times in the Gospel of John. This is an incredibly important idea. In fact, this is the very reason John, at the end of his life, sits down to write a reflection on Jesus' life for us, for those who didn't get to, to walk near him or be near him. So with John, at the end of his book says, hey, I wrote a book. Here's why I wrote it. Here's what he says, John 20, verses, 20, verses 30 and 31. He says, now, now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Remember John says, like, Jesus did a lot of other things. I didn't even get time to write about them. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life. So John wants you to believe wants you to believe in Christ, and we'll talk more about that in a second, but that's that's not that's the it, like that's the means to the end. Like that's not the goal John has to believe. In other words, the end of the Christian life isn't belief. The end of the Christian life, according to John, is life. There is a life available in Jesus you cannot find anywhere else. And well, John wants you to believe, because if you believe, you get to experience that life. And as I mentioned, life's a huge thing in all of John. I think the best, the most succinct place we find life explained for us, John 10. Where Jesus says, he says this, the thief, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus came, that they, that us, we, may have life and have a I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I came, Jesus said, so that you may have a life. And not just have life, have life abundantly. What does that mean? I think too often Christians just, just like jump right to heaven. Because John has this phrase, most of the time when he talks about life, he throws the phrase eternal in front of it, eternal life. And so I think a lot of times we think, oh, what Jesus means is you get to live forever if you believe. And we go right to like quantity of life, would you? When Jesus says you can have life, life abundantly, you have a quantity of life. That's actually not the primary thing I think John means when he talks about life. Obviously he means eternity, heaven, all that. Actually, when John talks about life, his focus is more on quality and not quantity. And when John says you can have life and have it to the full with Jesus, he's saying there's a quality to life available to you. that's only available in Jesus. Not quantity so much, not length, the quality. So clean up like this of a faith. No one goes to a buffet for quality. Right? The, kind of the trade-off is like the food is bad, but I can have three plates of macaroni and cheese instead of one. Okay, so that's a trade-off you make. You just you sacrifice quality for quantity. But that's not what John is saying about Jesus. He's not saying, hey, listen, there's a lot of there's a lot here for you to have. There's a quantity of Jesus. Jesus is not golden corral. That's not what John is saying about Jesus. Now, what John is saying about Jesus, and whatever you center your life on. Whatever you think is going to give you abundant life, if it's money, if it's your career, if it's your kids, if it's, your, if it's your family, whatever that is, it's not as good as Jesus. Even if you have all of it, even if you have everything you want, it's not as good as Jesus. And that well, leaves the question for us. Okay, what do you think is going to give you a life through full? The right grades? Right, the, making the team? Getting, getting the career path you want to see? Or have you given up on full life and said you turn to things to numb? numb that is all right, but face style living doesn't work. You can fill you yourself up on whatever you want, but having more of something isn't, isn't better than having the best of something. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I think this is, this is pre-John's gospel. It's Isaiah 55. God's just trying to reason with his people because they they've left him for other things. And he doesn't, he doesn't go to them and say, how dare you. But he, has, he just says, like, I have something better for you. What are you doing? So he gives them this invitation. I quote this, like, every three weeks here, I think. You know? But Isaiah 5, come, who first. Come to the waters. He has no money, come by. Come by wine and milk without price. Why do, you, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which is not satisfying? Listen diligently, please. He was good. Delight like yourselves. Rich food. And God is saying Isaiah, what what John is saying is the point of whole Jesus, of uh, the whole of Jesus life. Just come away from what you're filling yourself up on. Come away from it. Come to me Come to Jesus. Come to the one with a rich, full, abundant life. Now, what that means, I don't care how happy you are right now, I don't care how many things are going your way, how much things you have that you want. I don't care any of that. You can have everything you want right now your Life is not as good as it would be as a sinner in Jesus. And on the flip side of that, I don't care how bad your life is right now, how much you're suffering or how things are going wrong for you. If everything started going right and you lost Jesus, it would get worse for you. So it might not always feel like life with Jesus is life abundant, but we are his spoken creation, we are as spoken as by. Stars. He wants good things for you. And so John gets to the end of his life and he sits down to write a story about Jesus and he says, I want you to believe in Jesus so that you will have life and habits to the full. That's John's testimony. And I realized, listen, 21st century is a lot of us, easy for us to just kind of sit back and say, but you know what, John, like John, he lived a long time ago and he probably had all kinds of reasons to believe. And we can we really, t- no, listen, no, like John had every reason to not believe that you and I. Had, and maybe more, because John, John's brother was murdered because he followed Jesus. His brother James was murdered for being a Christian. John most likely wrote this gospel at the end of his life. He was potentially uh, in prison in exile, uh, and exile, alone and away from his friends and family at this, at this moment. Over the years, he saw countless people murdered and, and, and died because they were Christians. And yet, John gets to the end of his life, and he says, if you want a rich life, if you want a full life, if you want an abundant life, you have to get it that's why, it's why John says, in the beginning was the word, God speaking to us to give us life, to pull us out of what we think is going to give us life and back to a better life. So what, what is God saying? His he's, most important word is Jesus. He's speaking to us, he's revealing himself to us through Jesus, that we would have life, and thoroughly, okay, how do we hear him? How do we listen? Now let me suggest two things. so the first, we hear God by belief, by believing. And believe—I know it's a religious word. It's a, a word Christians, in particular, throw out. And so I'm—I'm I'm really glad we have this kind of a serious title that you may may believe. And one of the things, even when we were talking last week is the like, how how does someone actually go from being a non-Christian to a Christian? Um, and a lot of reasons. It's, it's like it's—it's it's simple. You agree to do a bunch of things. But in Christianity, like the primary metaphor is belief. You go from not believing to believe. Well, what's what's belief? What does that look like? How does that happen? And we're going to unpack. Okay, what is what is belief? believe belief mean over the, the next few weeks. But the first, where we start in John 1 is that belief is trust in a person. To believe in the biblical sense is to trust Jesus to give you life. And in fact, Luke Ferry, uh, the philosopher I mentioned earlier, he says like that's the idea that changed history. No one thought like this until John came around and wrote John 1, 1-5. So here's what he wrote. in his book, brief history, I thought. He writes this. From now on, what will permit man. To approach the divine, to know it, and to contemplate it belongs to a quite different order. What will count here, above all, is no longer intelligence, but trust in the Word of the man. The man God Christ, who claims to be the Son of God, the us. And I think, listen, I think this means a couple things. One is that religion is no longer for only really intelligent people who have degrees in philosophy and think through the rational order of the universe. That's Religion is no longer for the specialists, it's for everyone. It's for anybody who says who can say with conviction I don't what I'm doing to give me life isn't working Jesus I trust you to give it to me whatever that looks like moving forward right so simple is Jesus you have life I want it from you help me. that's what belief is in the and I realize like for many of us it's hard to get to that point it's hard to get to a place where you say all right Jesus I believe you have life I trust you give it to so me, again, I, what, I, what I want to start in this series is that belief would have been hard for John, too. I think sometimes we feel like we're so far removed, we're just so much smarter than those people were, like, you know, it's like we think, like, we have, belief is hard for us, it wasn't for them. It would have been hard for John, because remember, when John, when John writes the end of verse 1, he says, meaning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That would have been an impossible thing for John to. John was a Jewish person, and Jewish people were the last race of people that would have started saying, hey, that's a human being, I'm going to worship that human being as God. No, that is the last race that would ever come to the conclusion that a human being was God. You here, John starts his gospel by saying, a human being is God, and I worship him as God. And for us, like, what would get you to worship a friend as God? Because that's what ha- that, what is happening here is John is worshiping a friend of his. John to such an extent that at the end of his life in prison, after all he lost, he writes to us to say, believe in Jesus and God. have an unbelievable quality to life. An unbelievable one. So John believes he trusts Jesus to give him life. That's one way we hear God. You have to approach him through trust through belief. And the other is, if you want to hear God speaking, revealing himself to us, I think Christians, we have a unique moment in Christmas. We can hear God in Christmas. I think the reason why the book Silence is so connected with me is, is because um, Shusaku know gets at why belief is so hard for us. Belief is difficult for us because often we experience things that just feel like silence. Isn't it?
1: I've seen, i read for you the missionary
0: experiencing two people who care for him, love God, serve God, watching them the sea just kind of washes over them, and they die. Their moaning, goes, their crying goes away, and all you hear is the sea, the tide going in and out. We we all have those experiences. Silence, like a, God, like what what were you doing? Like, what, what was happening there? Why does it, it doesn't just feel like God's doing something wrong, but then He's just absolutely silent? that that's a real question, and that's a real obstacle belief, to believe. I don't want, like, I don't just, paper over that, it is incredibly important. Yeah, what John is saying is that the most definitive word God has spoken to us is Jesus. And the answer to that moment, and the novel actually gets there towards the end, the answer to that moment in the novel is is not some philosophy, it's not some theoretical argument. The answer to that silence of that sea going over those missionaries is not them. The answer to that is Jesus. Think it like this. In the 1960s, there, uh, the Russians made it into space, and one of their cosmonauts sort of sarcastically remarked that, um, you know, we went into space, and we didn't see God. We didn't find him. He wasn't up there. And, uh, and C.S. Lewis was asked to respond to that, what the cosmonaut said. Here's how he responded to the, the atheism of the cosmonaut. He said this. If there is a God who created the world and created us, I can no more meet him than Hamlet can meet Shakespeare. If Hamlet wants to prove there isn't Shakespeare, he's not going to be able to do it in the lab, nor is he going to be able to find Shakespeare by going up into the top of the stage. The only way he will know something about Shakespeare is if Shakespeare writes something about himself in the play. Of course, that's what we believe about the scriptures, right? As God has written himself in our story through his word. That's why, that's why this book is not something I can just kind of go to again, and now again when I feel no, this is, this, is, this is words spoken into the silence. But more specifically, what John is saying is that Jesus is the word spoken into our silence. He's written himself into his own story, into his own Narrative. But Jesus, the word of God, when he wrote himself into our story, he didn't give himself the best place at the table, he didn't write himself a role with a bunch of glory and attraction and everyone going to him with attention and awe and wonder. No, he wrote himself into the worst possible role of the narrative he could have. He's the enemy first. People turn against him. He himself, like the missionaries in the novel sounds he himself is nailed to a pole and left to die and goes underneath. Uh, and he himself experiences silence, the silence of God in a way you and I do, but in a way we will never have to. I mean, he doesn't just write himself in the story, he writes himself, the worst part, the part with all the suffering and all the pain and all the rejection. He takes the hardest part of the story. He's yelled to a cross and he's left for dead. He, right, he gives up his life so that you and I can have life abundant. And so in Christmas, we are cautioned. Do not mistake... The manger, the cross, the very the very quiet ways God speak, seems to speak into our universe as, as silence. Because John says, in the beginning, was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And he says, all things were made through him, which means you were made because Jesus wanted you to made. He wanted you in the story. He wanted you to know him in the story, and so he entered into it and laid his life down for you, like a good shepherd. He did that to invite you to believe, to, to trust him, to come to him, for you to, to find life and life. Let's pray. Father God, we pause now to, to stand in all the fact that we are created. We are your creative works. You have spoken us into existence. And God, you have spoken by your Son, Jesus, above all. And so God, for those of us this morning, if it's hard to hear that word, it's hard to experience that word, it's hard to experience Christ, would you, especially in this season of Adam, would you give them ears to hear, speak the Lord? As you spoke this world into existence, fill in our hearts, And also, Lord, that Jesus, is life itself, his abundant life, and his life and life, into the Would you fill us with that abundant life of oh Jesus, that as we go out into our world and worship and work, and we live, help us to live with hearts full of faith. No matter what comes this week, God, help us to live in the life Jesus has set before us in pray.